Hello, you beautiful people, and welcome to episode number nine of the Being Sapien podcast. My guest today isn't your typical health and fitness guru. In actual fact, he has navigated a career more so in the food and beverage sector. Um, But as of recent, he has become the CEO and co-founder of Classify and soon to be Classify Connect, which is an online class business and an online coaching business, something that I'm actually involved with myself and it's going to be absolutely next level, mark my words. But Daniel's always been involved in the sort of sales side of of the industry when it came to food and beverage. He built a team from just the from five to to eighty uh, sales reps and kind of was a huge part of their success um, as a growing company. He kind of saw a, a gap in the market when it came to sort of COVID and lockdowns and had this incredible idea um, based around helping online class instructors and online coaches. Um, to really help and facilitate businesses and take them to the next level when it comes to the online world. He has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to business and he's incredibly determined and switched on and I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, Um, even if it was cut short because I had a a massage booked literally straight afterwards. (laughs) But nevertheless, professionalism was kept at all times and we had a fantastic conversation all about sort of business, his past, and sort of how he's navigated his life to where he is today. So expect a fair few takeaways from this one because I absolutely loved it. Episode nine, coming right up. Hello and welcome people. I'm joined here today by a very special guest. I'm, I'm incredibly, incredibly happy to have him on. Um, it's been it's been a fantastic couple of months getting to know this man. And um, yeah, I think you, you guys are going to really enjoy this. Uh, a little bit different, as I kind of mentioned in the in the intro, a little more, bit more focus on business today and sort of um, overarching principles of 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 what it means to to make and build a good business and and take it forward from from A to B. Um, So welcome, Dan, how are we? Thank you very much, Lee. Really appreciate it. Kind words. Um, The the pleasure is uh, is all mine. Fantastic, fantastic. So for for the listeners, I mean, just a bit of a basic uh, intro of who you are, what you do uh, and where you come from. Sure. So uh, the accent, I can't get away with, unfortunately. Uh, so I'm from the north of England, a little town called uh, Bolton. Um, and I am the co-founder and CEO of Classify, which is an online fitness platform, as, uh, as, as you'll know, Lee, um, that currently offers um, fitness instructors to deliver live uh, classes digitally um, with an on-demand function. And uh, yeah, we're just about to launch into the personal training space with a, a very, very exciting online coaching product as well. So yeah, that's a little bit about us really and uh, and, and me and where I'm from. Amazing, amazing. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly excited having obviously been, been involved with this now. I, I think it's going to be a really good year for a lot of for a lot of reasons. And I'm incredibly excited to sort of delve a bit deeper, but we're going to get into that a little bit later. Um, your journey or your sort of career hasn't always been in fitness. Um, and actually, to be quite frank, it was probably quite far the opposite from fitness. It was uh, in food and beverage. So, uh, well, that's that's what I know so far. But how have you sort of 
like with your, I suppose your life from your early uh, late, late teens into an adolescent, where did you sort of start your career and how has it sort of shaped to where you are now? So it's it's ironically I've I've gone full circle. So um, I actually when when I was at school, the only thing I wanted to do, um, other than be a little terror, um, was was play football, and uh, and that's all I ever did from in six years old, whether it's kicking a football around or kicking a rock or a tennis ball. And um, and I was really lucky when I was ten years old, I got scouted and um, by Manchester United um, and the 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 oh. old. The old support school. them, mate. Good choice. Oh, no, they, <laughs> you know what? And it's so interesting because back then I was a Manchester United fan and I had wallpaper and uh, and this hey, is going to. I used to have manual wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna. You that was great. You know what? Though? I bet you had the mod. So what? What? I had the players on the wall, and I'm going to show my age now, Lee. So so the players that I had on the wall, Ryan Giggs, who's obviously like an evergreen, evergreen, but also on there was. Brian McClare, um, who <laughs> may or may not remember, Brian Robson, um, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a, you know, uh, not quite my time. era, not quite no, my no. era, but like, but, but they're good players nonetheless. They were, they were great, and then it went on to Cantona and 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 that sort of era. Um, yeah. So I was, so I was, a, I was playing for Man United. I played there for a year when I was ten, and we got to train at the Cliff, the the infamous Cliff training ground, nice. which was. So, so, so awesome. Um, I remember one time the claim to fame at that was when we waved at Alex Ferguson, he waved back. And I spent weeks telling people at school how I'd like met Alex Ferguson. And, and then obviously <laughs> made, fabricated a lot of things being like, he waved and shouted my name, which he obviously never did. Um, and I did, so I did, I was at Manchester United um, and then I went and I played a season at Manchester City um, uh, there for, uh, as, a, as an under 11. Um, and then I went to my hometown, which was Bolton Wanderers. So I was for, with Bolton Wanderers from the age of 11. Um, and to be completely honest, this is, I was one of those, one of those kids and, and I totally get why people disliked me now. Um, like people who worked really hard to, to do well throughout school really, really did not like me because I was one of those annoying people who just woke up in the morning, last minute, would get the homework done on the bus on the way to school and get like an A star and just <laughs> that ability to put the least amount of effort in and get the maximum result. And all the way through high school, that was sort of the case. Um, and I always tell people that I peaked at 14 without shadow of a doubt, like my life peaked at 14. And I'll tell you the, the peak moment was, I was 14 years old. I was captain of the under 16s at the time for Bolton. And I got called up to play for the under eight. Well, it was under 17s back then, under 17s. I got called up to play for them and they had to call up my school. And they sort of said, you know, he needs to come to training on a Wednesday afternoon before the game uh, on Saturday. Can we take him out of school for half a day? So imagine you're in school and then this big, massive, posh minibus with the Bolton Wanderers logos on pulls into the car park and off I charge out of the school with my backpack <laughs> on. And everyone's looking out the windows and with their noses smushed against the glass. And they're like, what's going on? And I high five the driver, like all cool and getting, and that was it. I took, I peaked 14 years old. And that was, that was about where the, the, the height of my entire life was, was at that moment. I don't think it could have got any better at that stage. Um, and yeah, I did, I did that until, so I left school at 16. I, I got some good, good GCSEs. Like I said, I was super lucky to, 
not really have put any time into it and got and got good results. But from from there, that's sort of where it started to go downhill a little bit, to be completely honest. And that's where, you know, I started to feel like I was a bit of a celebrity. I signed my first professional contract. I was playing for the reserve team. I was captain of the youth team. And, you know, as it always is with these stories, right? Just, I was a working class lad from a working class family. And, and, uh, and I was celebrated by people around and, you know, I just let it get to my head and started to go out way too much. And, you know, Friday, you know, Saturday night, dancing on pool tables with pint glasses and all that kind of like silly stuff. And, you know, I also flunked my A-levels cause they, they, made you go to college but you know i didn't i never went basically i just kind of like i sacked it off you know i was going to be the next england star and that was the only thing i could see in front of me was professional football yeah. and uh and it all and then i, I failed i got like a, a u in in a level maths um and uh, i even failed media studies i believe it or not I'm happy <laughs> failed media studies um and then i you know i'd, I'd got i'd signed a couple of professional contracts um, and then at the age of like 19, I'd been with the first team all preseason and we'd played against Glasgow Rangers. I'd played, I'd actually come on, I'd sat on the bench in the FA Cup. So I was like, I was thinking, this is, this is it, you know, I'm, I'm, and I, and I just never forget this day. And up, up until that point in my life, you know, like Midas, where everything he touches turns to gold, it was kind of yeah. felt like that. And then at 19, I got called into the gaffer's office and it was Sam Allardyce and, and uh and he just said we're letting you go you're you're too you're too small i'm five foot eight by the way um you're too small for my defense so that's it and uh i i you know when you i had it wasn't expected i wasn't i didn't yeah. see it coming it was you know i was expecting him to be like pull i almost expected it to be like a cartoon thing where he just pulled a wad of money out slapped it on the counter and was like there you go go and just wasn't like that and it was like yeah. a rude awakening to be like right now now what you know it was uh yeah. the first do you time feel like do you feel like that happens quite often because i have i hear stories of like that all the time i have friends who have played at a pretty decent level got to maybe even like a semi-pro or professional level and literally in the flash of a flash of a button it's gone yeah and there's no like okay we're letting you go, but potentially go to here, or we're letting you go, but potentially go to here. We've set this up for you. It's literally like done. It's it, yeah, and it's and it's so common, and you know, and I basically just like asked around for however long, and and not really thought about what would happen if I didn't continue. And you you, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, my colleagues and the people I played football with over those years now, and I and I look at. 99.9% of them never made it and you, and you get to that point and you know you kind of like you go from a Premier League club and every intention of going to another Premier League club you know at that time Bolton was seventh believe it or not seventh in the Premier League we were in the UEFA Cup you know I was like touted to be like you know the next best thing and, and then it goes from that to oh hey by the way we've got an offer in for you it's either go back to Barnsley where I'd been on loan the, the year before and that was that was not fortunately it was not a fun place to be um or back to Rochdale who were bottom of the the league two um and uh, and it all re the realization of the gravity mm. of the situation all hit at once and I was just like wow that 
that is that is not the sale to Chelsea that I was like thinking. It was like, <laughs> you know, it was just the case of, and and what was really interesting at that point was, uh, an offer came on the table from uh, the New York Red Bulls, um, and uh, and that was like, you know, when I first signed my first professional contract at Bolton, it was ninety pounds a week was the first salary, and it's like. That was an actual wow. 90 pounds. I mean, you know, I was sponsored by Adidas at the time. So you get all your kit and you get everything like that, but 90 quid. And imagine being in a, in a dressing room with a bunch of lads that like a gentle hazing um, each other. And I remember like one week spending all of my wage on like a, a stripy Henry Lloyd jumper and then going out to train because <laughs> they were all the rage and then going out to train and then coming back in and someone had cut the sleeves off. Like, 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 seriously. And I'm just like, I I remember sitting there and just thinking, that's a week salary. That's a week salary just gone. (laughs) Um, There's some good stuff in there. Honestly, there's some good, some good stories in there. But, you know, it was, um, it was kind of like at at that moment, in fact, there's a, there's a laddie. I think he's, is he, um, Cal Bartley? He's, uh, I think he's at Leeds. He's, uh, I was at Leeds, Mm. um, captain of Leeds. Um, I remember like uh, he was in the the Bolton youth team. I only mention it because he's probably like the only person who was in that environment who who went on to to be really successful. Um, but I remember being on an away trip in Poland and uh, and we uh, we duct taped him in his boxers to a swing in a park. <laughs> Which is probably not- it's such a it's such a sports team thing to do. <laughs> it really, and you know, what? like, but you you go from having that, and then you know, I. I when I ended up in America, in the States, playing with the New York Red Bulls and then ended up going to university out in the States and like they don't have that culture out there at all. Like you, you know, you, you get in trouble. If if you start like if you start like cutting people's shoelaces, people don't like that. Yeah, I can imagine. What's the sort of sporting... I, from what I can gather from the difference between UK and US, US have a real sort of elitist feel when it comes to sportsmen and sports women if you're if you're an american sportsman or, or a man or woman what, what was it like out there how was it different so it was it's so when i when i when i went out there um and i went to new york red bulls and it was when juan pablo angel was there if you, if you remember him and, and claudio mm-hmm. reina who was the old man city captain and the manager was bruce arena who was the ex-us national team coach and um i was 19 when i arrived there and like the youngest player, well, actually, um, um, there was a couple of other players who were who were younger. Josie Altidore was there at the time, if you remember yeah. him, um, yeah. and he was he was about the same age as me. But everyone else was like twenty three or older because they've got this. What I believe is a wonderful system in America, where ninety nine percent of athletes go to university and graduate before they go into professional sports. And why why do I think that's great? Because it stops things happening like what happened to me at 19 mm. at Bolton which was you're out on your ass you've got no degree you've got no education yeah. like all the best see you later and yeah. whereas in America you have a degree to fall back on you know for, for yeah. better or for worse and I'm sure and it's a maturity to- level right I mean you you gain a different level of maturity different level of understanding education um within that time at university it's not just like you know, yeah, you have, might have a main focus as being a sportsman, but you also know, okay, at the same time, I've got to educate myself and better myself in that field, just in case. So they have that, exactly. in, that in their mind. Exactly, and and you and it's like a it's a real, and the the university sports out there are really like they're really well put together. You know, they mm. I mean they, you, you you know you're in a country where 
on ESPN at prime time. They're they're playing uh, university athletics on on prime time. It's like yeah. be like tuning into Sky Sports at four o'clock on a Sunday, and tuning in and watching like you know Eton play against Cambridge or something, and you just it just it's very strange. That would be that fun, I mean, mate. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I don't know where those teams came from. That's, I, I've got no idea. You could have said Southampton I'm... and Northampton. <laughs> mate, do you know? So, so when I when um <laughs> had an interesting when I was when I was with the Rebels and the the manager took me to one side and he said, "Look, you know, you're not getting in the. T- I'd I'd fallen out of love with football. I really had. I'd 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 lost. Mm. I'd lost like." I, the, the love had gone and, and I knew that and the manager took me to one side he said look you've got this really good career behind you and you know you're only 19 why don't you go to university and and um, and, uh, and get a degree and then come back to us afterwards you know so go and do four years and come back to us because you mentioned in there about university knowledge now this is like 2007 so you know Google was around but like it you know it wasn't that great and you know, up until that point, I'm like a lad from the from Bolton who, who grew up in Bolton. I didn't know anything about universities and certainly not American universities. Like I literally had zero clue. Um, and I remember the, the manager put a word out and we, I ended up with a stack of scholarship offers, you know, like full, full ride, you know, so where they pay for your whole education. And, um, and I had like, it's, it's gonna sound really, really silly now, but like all I wanted was I want to play for a team, a soccer team. So it's, it needs to be a team that are really good. So like, I want to play for the best. And I also, this sounds so silly now, but I wanted to be in a major city because in in England, being in a major city meant stuff going on and nightlife, mm. and you know, I wanted to have have fun. So in my, I had no idea about campus life and what that meant. So I'd not, you know, this was, you know, I just had no idea that that existed. So I'm thinking big city good football team. So when I had scholarship offers from Stanford University and I was just like, nah. didn't know who they were. And I was yeah. like, and I was like, mm, football team's not very good. They came bottom of their league last year and <laughs> moved them on. You know, you not, I didn't have anyone. Stanford as well. Crazy. I, so, yeah. So like Stanford, like UCLA was in there um, um, and like Cal Berkeley, UNC where Michael Jordan went and USF in San Francisco and all these great universities. And I was just like, there was one that stood out to me because it was in New York and I was already in New York. New York's a city, it's very cool. And they won the national championship the year before. So I was like, why would I go anywhere else? These are the two things that I want. The assistant coach was English. He had a bit of like, you know, British banter with me. And I was like, Mm. this is it. Like, I'm not, forget about Stanford, forget about these other ones, forget about uh, Dartmouth and all. Uh, I'm going to go to this one, um, and I and I arrived there. I remember getting there on day one and realizing that it isn't a campus university; it's a commuter college, which meant there wasn't anybody living on campus. So you're like, you know, you're in some shared housing, but the only people that were living there were pharmacy students, and you know, like, less they weren't the funnest yeah. people in the world. You know, <laughs> it's like, where, it's like, where's all the where's all the frat parties and the sorority parties? <laughs> American Pie experience. It was like, it was non-existent. Um, just like a, an absolute nightmare. And and the, the first day I arrived and I got into the coach's office and he sat me down. He said, "Look, the NCAA, the governing body of university athletics, they um, they want to investigate um, like this situation. They just want to ask you some questions." And 
So they asked me questions about how much money did I earn at Bolton, like did they pay for my meals, my travel, and all, all these questions. And you know, the advice was just answer honestly. So I answered honestly. And uh, and anyway, like a couple of like a couple of weeks later, you get a response from them saying, you know, because of I was a professional before, they suspended me for an entire year. So I arrived at this university in a commuter belt with no fun atmosphere, couldn't play football. And I was just like, and, and bear in mind, a year earlier, I was on my way to being the next professional Premier League star. And I was just thinking, what have I done? <laughs> a big contrast, <laughs> a big contrast. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, yeah. And um, yeah, so that was like a year of hell really, because the, the manager took it out on me and he like, you know, it was, up until about four years ago, it was the fittest that I've ever been because he had me running around the track all the time. And uh, I was, you know, to, to cut a long story short, I, I, I transferred to to San Diego the year after because I wanted mm. to go to a, a fun school then. And the like San Diego was a fun school. And it was, and I found out about Google then and I did Google it and it was like ranked number five for party schools. And I was like, right, finally, I'm going to go and for have you. fun. That's for yeah, you. <laughs> I, was, I know. I was, I was like, oh, yes. And I arrived there, and uh, and this is uh this is 2007. I was on an 80% scholarship, um, because my 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 value, if you will, had decreased after a year of not playing. So I got an 80% scholarship, and I was like, I'll pay the other 20% with like um, a student loan. So yeah, yeah, fine. Got into the university. I can't tell you how fun it was. It was a proper red cup beer pong, American pie, college like. You wouldn't believe, like, it was like American Pie. <laughs> that was so good. I had the best semester ever, and I made friends for life there. One of my really good pals, who I went out to his wedding recently, it was, and I was just loving it. My roommate is now one of the, he now plays for LA Galaxy, Daniel Stairs, and it was just like, we had this such a good vibe. And, uh, and this is 2007 slash 2008, and obviously, then all of a sudden the entire world melted down in the financial collapse and the crisis yeah. and all international um, loans got pulled. And all of a sudden I was like, I couldn't afford to stay. I had a, you know, the, the, the college education in America is expensive. It's like, mm. you know, I think it was $30,000 a semester, you know, so like $60,000 a year. I had another, I had another two and a half, sorry, I had another two and a half years left and I would have had to fund maybe like a hundred grand or so myself and and then on top of the interest and stuff it was going to cost me like hundreds of thousands of dollars and um, to stay and i had to it was really sad actually but i i had to had to leave had to come back to england didn't even wow. graduate you know wow. year and a half that's didn't mad. even graduate so that's a pretty i mean one thing i want to talk about with you is sort of any hardships you've had to run into that for me is, is, is massive. And like, how do you bounce back from that? What do you, so you've been given this sort of huge setback. What happened? Flew back to the UK and, and, and start from scratch, I suppose. I mean, to, yeah, I mean, there's a few, I've had a few really big setback, setbacks actually. And, and, and I'm, I'm quite fortunate. I think really fortunate to have them early on. Do you know, like, mm. I think you learn a lot from them and, and that moment. So the, being canned by Sam Allardyce, I I went away from that moment thinking, because I, I didn't work hard enough, you know, if I'm being completely honest with myself, I just, I didn't work hard enough. I wasn't dedicated enough. I wasn't dedicated as, as other people were around me. And I had some great players around me at that time, whether it's JJ Kocha, Fernando Hierro, Yori Um, 
and I just didn't work hard, you know. So from that moment on, I was like, I am never, ever going to find myself in a situation where I've failed because I didn't put the effort in. Yeah. And I, I, it's really hard to explain, but it was like a visceral emotion. And I was like, I'm not going to let this happen again. And it's always been the case. And it's followed me around. You know, maybe it's plagued me in terms of my personal life, you know, because I dedicate everything into 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 work and into my career and mm. and you know again it, and it's just one of those things that you know I said I would never do and and it's when that hit the next time it was just a year and a half later you know I found myself back in the UK and you know I'm 21 now 21 years old I've got no degree I've got you know no job I've got no money uh, I've got no I, w- I went playing semi-professional at FC United um but you know, like 50 quid a week or whatever, you know, can't make a living yeah. off that. Um, and I had to, yeah, you had to start all over again. And, and I think at that point, you know, back at my dad's spare bedroom, it happened more than once in my, in my life, you know, back at my dad's <laughs> spare, spare bedroom thinking, you know, what next? And as far as I'm concerned, you just, you've just got to just dig in and get out. I'm always one for taking opportunities. I know you're, you're big on this as well. I know you've said mm. this, you know, m- multiple times. Um, but the only way you do that is by just getting out there and trying something. So I was like, okay, exactly, well, yeah. I'm not going to be a footballer. I'm not going to be a graduate. I have no degree. Um, I need to do something, you know, I need to find a career. And, and luckily, you know, I went into this, inter- this very bizarre interview in this, <laughs> this little, little office in Bolton where the, the guy behind the desk talked to me about football, basically. Football opened a lot of doors for me and it, and it always has and it, and it always will. And, you know, I'm really, really blessed that that happened. But talked yeah. about football. I, he talked about cricket. I pretended that I knew, just like, you know, absolutely. Footballers don't know about cricket. no idea. And I was just like, yeah. And he, he was talking about it. And, you know, I just like chuck in like flint off and he'd be like, oh, yeah. Um, and I ended up... <laughs> So I ended up getting, uh, got this job selling, yeah, you, you were right, when we started, it was um, vegan, vegetarian, halal, and kosher Haribo. Um, that was the uh, official product we were selling. Oh, wow. Very, very niche, mate. <laughs> it really was. And my, and my job, yeah, my job was to basically travel around with a car full of sweets knocking on um like a uh, cash and carry doors and, and news agents all around the northwest and then in london eventually um and yeah he had not there was no sales training they were only like two founders and um and like two staff in there i was the only salesperson. so if i didn't bring the bacon home um then you know no one got fed so i was just yeah. out there on the road selling selling sweets and you know learning early doors on how to how to haggle and you know, just figuring it out as I went, you know, just like, exactly, you know, yeah. you know, that fear of the first time you walk in somewhere, like face to face, hard sales. I've got a box of Haribo yeah. under my arm. Um, it's tough. Yeah. It must be tough. I, I mean, I've, I've never been in sales as such, but I know people that have. And, you know, like sales is not an easy game. And especially if it's like face to face, you know, you got to like, you got to be handling a lot of people turning you away almost instantly. Right. And then you got to sit back and actually like, okay, I've got to do this again now. Oh, I've got, I've got to do this again now. <laughs> Um, so what I know you, you most obviously one of your biggest successes is the just eat. So you, uh, Tristan and, and Jim, who are obviously all, all co-founders of classify, which we'll get onto uh, shortly. Um, 
worked for Just Eat and you know got Just Eat from uh, A to Z essentially. You know, you were part of a huge success successful team there. Um, how how was that journey? What how did you progress within that journey? And what was sort of the biggest takeaways from from that part of your career? I'd say so. Just Eat was really interesting. So just so this is we're, we're rewinding the clock eleven years now. So it was two two thousand ten when I joined, and and you know I'd. I'd, I'd left I'd left the Haribo job and, and, and again I'd found myself back at my, my dad's house in the spare bedroom. I actually had a broken leg at the time as well to, to, to boot. <laughs> um, so I went I went into this uh, like to you know I'd given up. I, it took me a time, took me a year and a half, and I was like I need to stop this job. It's like I'm not getting paid enough. Da da da. Broke my leg and I was like this is perfect timing. Quit my job. <laughs> no money, no car, no apartment. Back at my dad's, 23 years old, broken leg. And, uh, and I was like, and I went out for interview. So I turned up for the interview at Just Eat at a train station in Manchester. And I had no idea who Just Eat were at that time. In 2010, you know, not many people did, to be completely honest. And I've turned up to the interview in a cast, you know, with crutches and a, and a really poorly fitting suit from Burton menswear. And, uh, and I remember, and I was, <laughs> classic. And I remember sitting there and, and him telling me about, you know, what Just Eat was and, and where, it, where it was going and then, you know, he was a really cool guy uh, called Charlie, um, and uh, and I sold him some sweets during my interview process. Of course, uh, pulled out the old Haribo bag and sold him them, and uh, and then he was like, you know, before you know, before it even left, he he offered me the job, and uh, shook hands, went home, and I was like, right, who the bloody hell are just like what? You know, what have I just what have I, what's you just know, happened? What, yeah, what's just happened? I was like, well, because you know, I went into it and I and I I didn't really I didn't. And I, again, another mistake I'll, I'll never make again is like, you know, failing to prepare. And I, and I failed to prepare for that interview. And, I, and somehow he didn't identify that I had no idea who the company were when I, when I walked in there. You know, I just mm. wound it on the spot. She's never doing it. That is like rule 101 on interview. You do your prep beforehand. And I, and yeah, I did sure. it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I started there. And that journey was really exciting for me because the company was growing so fast. Um, and I started out as a as a door to door salesperson. So my territory, this is going to sound really weird now, but there was only seven salespeople. There's over well over a hundred now, and seven salespeople. So my territory was the whole northwest of England, and effectively, my job was to go and knock on restaurant doors and convince them to get online, um, and to and to uh, and to install Just Eat. And I'll tell you, in those early days, it was hard. Like. Bear in mind, like very few people ordered online back then. So it was, you know, they had yeah. a telephone and imagine going to like a busy kebab house on a, you know, on a Thursday night at six o'clock and you're walking in there and you're trying to tell the owner that online is the future and his phone has not stopped ringing with orders the entire yeah. time. And I'm like, come on. Um, but, you know, you, we, we grinded it out. And so I, I was basically all the restaurants in Manchester and, and uh, and like uh, up into into Carlisle and all the areas around there and Bolton and Liverpool and you know I just Preston I added all these restaurants and built these great relationships and you know after a year the Northwest had become the hub outside of London where orders were just flying through and um, you know that that got me the recognition um, of the sales director at the time who had just left the business. He'd gone to, he'd gone to another startup in the fashion industry actually. Um, mm. And um, so it was like a, a company that wanted to aggregate boutique stores the same way Just Eat had done. 
and um, and he was allowed he was allowed to ask one person to go with him to to go and start his sales team um, and he asked me uh, for and for an extra little bit of money and a nicer car and uh, and I've been at Just Eat for just over a year and it's funny you look back at these moments these forks in the road and whether we make a and, and like the sliding door situation and you think how different my life would be now had I have had this have gone down a different yeah. way. You know those moments and i did i went into it so i i was convinced i was like okay and i went into the office and um i had my notice written out on a piece of paper and uh and the ceo at the time david buttress who's who's you know he's absolutely infamous like f- phenomenal leader like han like took just eat by the scruff of the neck he launched it in the uk in 2006 and took it all the way to an IPO and then some like this guy is an absolute legend and he just walks into the office and he's like not on my watch he's like we've got a role for you coming up don't even think about it and I was like yes sir (laughs) (laughs) okay no worries (laughs) yeah I was just like okay um and he he did and and I I moved into management and so I started to manage a a blitz team around the UK where we were we didn't have a lot of traction or we had maybe like a local competitor and you know I took a few of the guys out and we were going like we would like basically everyone knew me as the guy that just worked tirelessly like I would just work 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 and I would like cold call I would hit not like just up and down the street I'd knock on every single door and I'd go right the way through and, and it was just relentless. And we had so much fun because it was like, we were getting all the recognition in the business because we were launching these little areas. Um, and it kind of, that going back to that bit around um, Sam Allardyce and, and just sort of like for, any, for, anyone, for anyone who's listening about thinking like maybe it's like a, a sick trait to have that sort of like animalistic desire to like work incredibly hard and mm. um, and where that really came in was when i first i first started at just eat and it was like my second month and I, the target was 20 restaurants to sign um sign up 20 restaurants and you get paid x amount and then if you get over that you get like a percentage of the revenue and all this kind of jazz and um, and in my, my my second full month or my first full month i think i signed like 28 restaurants um, and it was February 2011, actually. And, uh, and a guy from Birmingham, he rang me up and he's like, started, mate, like, you need to stop that. You know, like, we're all on a good gig here. Everyone's getting 20 to 22 restaurants. Like, one, don't make everyone else look bad. We're all on a good gig. We all work part time. Basically, the, the culture of the company and the sales team in, in a lot of them was a little bit lazy, to be honest. And they were just like mm. taking the foot off the gas. And because they all thought if we just drag this out for long enough, we're getting paid a decent amount of money. Restaurants will just last forever and we'll just go on. Yeah. And I just, I made that moment decision. I was like, that trigger was like, no, no, this yeah. is I'm not This is not happening again. I'm like, no way. Um, and I just pedaled to the metal in, in the next month, signed up like a record, of, I think it was like 67 restaurants um, and earned it that month. Uh, I got a message from, uh, from the CEO and he was like, look, you've earned more money than me this month. And that was my second month. <laughs> and, uh, and they changed the commission structure. Changed the commission structure the next day. Because of you, uh, mate. I did yeah. too much money too quick. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone was like, this guy in this. But that, uh, so, yeah, ju- not to sort of like go back on that, but it was just, that's what I was sort of known for. So that's, mm. you know, moved into the, into the, um, into the, the stealth team where we went around the country. But the culture at Just Eat was just, and it's it's what I emulate, what I hope to emulate with Classify, this culture of, you know, 
it was it was fun people enjoyed it there was a passion there and and yeah. all those older sales guys who'd been there when i first started they started to get sacked and they started to and the newer guys i was training and i was involved in their induction and we sort of the uk sales team became this like hotbed of talent and like ambition and energy and positivity and you yeah. know i i was moved to manage like a team of people and i managed to i managed 15 people in um in the northwest in scotland i was only like 25 at the time and and i'd been working alongside these guys recently which is a, a weird experience when you one of you when you colleagues one minute and then you're their boss the next that's um, yeah for sure it's always an interesting one but you learn a lot from that right and you go from being someone who's side by side with these sort of people to then becoming a leader um and i'm i'm quite big on leadership and i feel feel like there's specific qualities that make up a leader um what do you think makes a good leader what qualities do you think that maybe you possess for this and how this can potentially transfer over to you now being sort of a ceo of, of classify it's a, it's a great question i think do you know and i think it's different for, for for everybody for for me i need to feel like the and this is why um the the best leader was for me in, in, in my career and and I've had two very, 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 very like um, influential leaders in their time. You know, if you had Sam Allardyce over here on one side of things, where ruled by the rod and like you know very disciplined and very like you know kind of like you know ruled with an iron fist, if you will, um, yeah. never resonated with me. Whereas David would rule with passion and character and charisma, and you got honesty. So you you whenever he spoke, he he came across as like he genuinely cared. And he would remember everybody's name from the from the person who fixed the machinery to the people who like he was in my view if you can be you know really conscientious and you can care about people and you can really get joy out of other people's success around you that that makes leadership really easy because all of a sudden you're just unlocking people's talent around you and you know in in my experience if you if you lead like that do you know like it's that age-old thing when you when your parents say to you and they're like you know i'm not mad i'm you've just let me down um yeah. <laughs> and, yeah and when you've got a leader who leads like that and you feel like you disappoint them if you're not giving your all and you feel like you disappoint them if you're not hitting target i think that's when someone's done the right thing and they've got into yeah. that realm yeah so i'd say those are the key well you things. can you can yeah showing empathy and also being able to like understand that what they've done might also be their best it doesn't necessarily mean that they've done it right or they've done it the right the, the way that you wanted it but they they thought at that time what they did was their best and they they couldn't do it any other way it's an up to you as a leader to say okay look like great you did you did great we got 60 percent to where we wanted to be but to get to 100 percent, this is what you've got to do rather than standing there and like over the top of them and just shouting and you know becoming someone who's seen more as someone who people probably resent and don't really like to be around rather than someone they actually look up to, which a leader should be someone who everyone looks up to, right? Which is exactly. super, super, super important. Um, exactly. So moving on to Classify and the, the new product over the last sort of six to six to nine months, how did it come about? And um, more so, the most important question is, why did it come about? Um, so, so basically, I think I was a... Uh, Really, I was actually, you know, quite happy in my career, to be honest, like last last year, I'd been at a healthcare startup for, for five years after just eat, I've been at a healthcare startup for five years. 
we'd just gone through a, f- a bunch of funding rounds. I'd built out quite a large team I was really proud of and we had a really good mission and you know, I was you know, director and shareholder in the business and it was growing really fast. Um, but it wasn't in an industry I really was passionate about. You know, it was in the mm. healthcare sector, which you know, I, I could understand there was a mission there, but it, it, I didn't wake up in the morning and, and, and want to, do, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like an inert passion. Um, whereas fitness for me, ever since being a footballer and, and all the way through those years um, at Just Eat and through my professional life, health and fitness has just been a huge passion for me. And when the gyms closed last year and lockdown hit the first time round, and I'd never done a home workout before. I'd never worked out at home. It just wasn't what I did. Um, and uh, and I was watching with fascination, frustration initially that the gyms were closing. You know, I was gutted. And um, and I watched with fascination how the industry sort of changed, really. And, and I started to do home workouts. I started to enjoy them. And, and it was like... Um, a moment in time that happened and, and uh, you know, uh, forgive me that it's not, uh, it's, uh, it's, I would, I was like, um, I was like a boutique studio fanboy. Let's just say that yeah. in central London. <laughs> and I loved it. Whether I was going to like, um, Barry's bootcamp or one rebel or co collective or, you know, soul site work. I just, I just loved it. And, and, um, love the experience. I, I just kind of like love that, love that vibe. Um, but more, more over than the gyms and studios and, the brands i love the trainers like they were great i was mm. just like blown away by the instructors and i would follow them on social media and you'd be a geek and you'd feel like you're in their lives and just you know yeah. it doesn't matter it doesn't matter who you are professionally what you've done how many companies you've built the minute you walk into a gym or a studio and you get onto that floor like the instructor rules the roost and to me they yeah. were dangerous and 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 the miniature celebrities so as the industry started to change and these independent instructors like yourself started to branch out and realize that actually you know that i can't just rely on the gym and studio giving me all of my salary and all of my livelihood and and now all of a sudden you've got millions of these amazing trainers and instructors all around the world forced to see themselves as independent businesses i think for the first time mm. because up until that point being self-employed wasn't necessarily being a business it was just a, a way of life and you and you went yeah. and gym studio so watching this happen um my initial frustration was i want to i like for me to work out i want to be able to find in instructors and and me and tristan uh, my, my my best pal and, and my co-founder um i rang him up and i said like tristan i've got this idea like i want to create like a, an instagram page if you will like a just eat for fitness instructors and he was like mm, not sure let's do a whiteboard session so we got around to my house did a whiteboard session. Tristan had just finished his exec MBA, so he was ready to set up a business. So he was keen. Whiteboard session, knocked it all up, and we were just, we sat there and we looked back and we just thought, something's not right about this. This is, one, it's a very, very, very saturated market, B2C. Yeah. Actually, we're trying to service the end user when they've got loads of options right now. They've got like, from Peloton to IGTV to whatever it is, there's loads of options there. Said, look at these guys over here, these amazing independent instructors, whether it's yoga, Pilates, HIT. Who's supporting these guys? Like, why is there no one on in their corner? Why is everyone yeah. focusing on the consumer and no one focusing on the independent um, uh, instructor? And that's where Classify was born that day. And we thought, right, well, if we're going to build something, let's build something to support these guys and, you know, give them the ability to build a business that 
means that they're not reliant on the income from studios and gyms and they can take their future into their own hands and give them the technology and the and the products to do it but then also like support them with you know business advice and really help sort of i guess fuel their independent growth and fuel their brand and you know not leave it to influencers and and you know like joe wicks is i'm sure he's a wonderful guy um but influencers and the likes of Joe Wicks and you even like even Thor, you know, bloody Thor's getting into the market with his app. Yeah, Sensor, yeah. So yeah, yeah so that's that was where Classify was born, and and you know we were we were really lucky to have um, six amazing instructors in that first group that just just off me chatting to them on the phone and telling them what it was going to look like. I hadn't shown them anything. There was no website. We didn't even have a name for the company. And, and they agreed to give us a shot and, you know, got Jim on board from my time at Just Eat. And, you know, we, we built out the MVP, which was like really rickety. And <laughs> looking back on it now, we're like, how do we launch with that? Um, so, yeah, and that's how Classify was born. It's not, yeah, it's, it's an amazing story. I think the, the why statement behind it is super important. Um, the whole reason why you launch this business is to help instructors and to allow instructors, as you said, to sort of get, suppose, suppose take, take their own future and life into their own hands and kind of see where they can go without having to rely on studios, as you've said. Um, and yeah, I've, I've been part of it for what, a good couple of months now. Um, done a little bit of bit of digging and a bit of a value proposition myself and I've got got involved in the back office which is um it's, it's going to be a really really fantastic journey I'm really excited about it um class side of the business ticked PT side of the business talk to me online coaching oh Lee you know how excited I am about this uh, about this <laughs> so so, so my, I mean like I love fitness classes and I love class instructors and and you know we're going to build something amazing for these guys and we're and we're going to keep iterating and we're going to keep adding it and we're going to add on demand libraries and day passes and you know all this stuff so we're really excited about that but we also recognize that a huge chunk of instructors that use classify were also personal trainers and um we had some focus groups yourself included and digging into the problems like what are the challenges that a personal trainer faces on a on a on a day-to-day -day basis and you know, again, going back to our core value proposition, we're here to help. So, you know, understanding the problems first and then what can we do to support? And, you know, we, we did that process and everything that we sort of like understood was the, the limitations, the, the capping of income, the challenges around calendar management and scheduling and, you know, everybody wanting to have a PT session at the same time in the morning or the same time in the evening and, you know, awkward moments where people don't turn up and cancellations and, you know everything that we dug into just sort of like it it suggested that one-to-one -one, um uh, pt is is great but it's also very limited and, and it's wrought with um with challenges and you know as a business we, we took a step back and said well we could fix a lot of that actually we can bring in some tech and we can build some amazing things to to actually help a personal trainer with their one-to-one -one booking system um yeah. but if we're really true to ourselves and everything we do is to help a trainer take control and grow, you know, making something a little bit better over here wasn't as good as maybe introducing something new on the other side. And that's when we looked at online coaching. And, you know, I've, I've been through an online coaching program. I had the most insane transformation um, where I lost 
a shed load of weight and uh you know you've seen the before and after pictures I, i've right? seen the before and after yeah it's pretty special i mean fair play to you fair play to you you uh yeah it, it take and it, i mean you've you've seen what it takes to be a client on that side and obviously have gone through the client's journey from your coach to get to where you are today um so you probably understand it from that point of view as well as a coach's point of view now having done your market research and sort of like gone into depth and like getting information from coaches like myself and others um so you've got such a broad understanding of the online coaching business and i suppose how to take it from where it is now to sort of your dreams aspiration and goals of what you want to do with it yeah it's it's you're absolutely being a client on the other side is uh you know a lot of trainers have this um this thing around the, the value of it, you and I have had this conversation before and, and people think, oh, um, 100, 150 pounds a month seems, you know, quite quite steep and, you know, they're a bit wary of like, charge. and I thought, I paid 150 pounds a month for a year and I got from the worst shape of my life after being a professional footballer where I was, you know, tying my shoelace and not one, not two, but three rolls of like, you know, of, uh, of, of, of fat on my stomach all touched at the same time and I was like, I was on the bench in the Premier League and like I need to get back into shape. Um, yeah. So a year, £150 a month, the best money I ever spent. And, you know, my coach, Mark, he, you know, we checked in every now and again, but the work for him was relatively minimal. And, and looking at that model, we just thought, well, this is this is great. This is a scalable solution. And, and then thinking, okay, well, what's in the market, you know, from the coach side, you know, mm -hmm. what, what did Mark use? So Mark used, you know, he used my PT hub and that's how I did my workouts. And I paid him through through PayPal. I think I paid him through PayPal and a lot of conversations were on WhatsApp. And, and um, you know, at that time he didn't have a website which gave me more information or, and, and it was sort of, he did a fantastic job, but a lot of the stuff that he was using were all fragmented and around, around the place. Um, and knowing Mark, I knew that he had like, a, he'd paid for a course for, um, a mentor in a training course to to get better and and um, and I just thought we just thought well wouldn't it be great if we could build something that brought all of that together under one roof so it's not just yeah. you know creating another version of True Coach on my PT Hub they're wonderful pieces of software and they do a job but wouldn't it be great if we could create something just as good if not maybe a little bit better with features than something like that but then also layer in everything else so calendar management and building in a CRM system and, you know, building in like a payment system and integrating it all into a website and, you know, and then adding on top of that, like an academy, so sales training and business coaching and accountability and getting someone from zero clients to 10 clients and cheering when they get there and 10 clients to 30 clients. And, you know, we thought, well, if we, if we can wrap all of that together, you know, we can, not only can we help people who are online coaching now make things a lot easier for them, but actually people who want to get into online coaching who are great PTs, we can put them on this trajectory to, to do that and fundamentally put them in a position where financially they have making enough on online coaching to be able to then pick and choose what they do. If they want to work in a studio, it's their choice. If they want to go to Brazil for six months, their choice. Yeah. Putting choice back in the power of the instructor's hands by helping them on this side of things. So yeah, that's the, that's the dream. The um the PT product for me is incredibly exciting. Um, I, I'm 
I'm buzzing for this to, to launch. There's been a lot of time, a lot of effort, um, a lot of people's resources that have been put into this. Um, we've given them, a, a, the listeners, a real good overview of what it is. But honestly, that this is just touching the surface, I think. There's going to be so much that's going to be included in this product. Um, and truly, I think it can, if we, if we, if, if this is really something that, it's executed to perfection and how you want to execute it. I think it could be totally revolutionized the online coaching world. Um, and I, I truly believe that. So yeah, hats off to you for, for this sort of vision and, and making this sort of a, a reality. Cause I think it's going to go a long way, um, which is amazing. So really- classify ticked, classify connect ticked. Um, there's, I'm sure as, as the weeks and months unfold, mate, there's going to be something else that pops up. I'm, I'm excited to hear what it is. There's, there's, do you know what, mate? There's, the thing, what I love about um, building a company is uh, building a company with friends and people you respect and you can have fun with and, and people like you involved and and it's like, you know, we'll just have a laugh while we do it. You know, we're 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 building. Well, yeah. we are we're building. You know, with personal trainers and class instructors, where you know we've got we made the decision to make our first one hundred instructors shareholders in the business. So you know sharing in our success like if there's a point in the future where we ring the bell or if like you know lululemon came in and said there's a half a billion dollars 100 instructors get rewarded you know the first 100 mm. instructors share yourself included and you know we're we're creating this environment where we're we're building it with everybody else you know we're all together yeah. there's no hierarchy here it's very flat exactly. you know we want to just create this culture where we're all sharing in the wins and sharing successes and we've all got good ideas and maybe add this feature and maybe change that feature and let's expand into that country and why is it not in Spanish? Why is it not in Chinese? Let's go into India. Like, let's create a, a marketplace for B2B businesses. Let's go to to all of these businesses out there and, and bring businesses to PTs and clients and say, well, you know, here you go, there you go. Thank you very much, big, large corporation. Now you've got an amazing um, uh, online trainer as part of your um, wellness package, you know, and, and bring that yeah. trainer to a level where they're able to service more. There's just so many places yeah. this can go. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's going to be a really, really exciting year. I'm incredibly excited to see where this goes. And yeah, I think your values, Jim's values and Tristan's values all align with what a, a real online coach or personal trainer or class instructors values are and that's just we're here to help people right and if we help we help people become better instructors and better businesses then they also help us become a better business um which is that's all we kind of want right and i think it's it's a it's a fantastic model and i see nothing but good, good things coming that's for sure appreciate it mate and and again i've said this a million times but it's a pleasure to have you working with us on it as well Appreciate it. Well, Dan, thanks very much, mate. That was an absolutely fantastic conversation. I I definitely took some some points away from that and and will be applying it to my own life, that's for sure. Um, But yeah, appreciate the conversation. Thanks for jumping on. Cheers, Lee. Top man. Thank you.